Hey there, this is Meg. I'm your host, and you are listening to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for people in the mental health profession. Quick disclaimer, because you know that stuff is important these days. Uh, Mental Status is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not therapy, and this is not clinical supervision. There are no CEUs associated with this podcast. Enjoy it and share it as you will. And if you're in a space where you're needing deeper support, please seek out therapy or supervision for yourself from somebody who is qualified to provide those services for you. Okay, here we go. Today's interview was with the vibrant and vulnerable Kara Bowling. In our conversation, Kara talks about the various challenges and periods of growth that she's faced over the past five years, uh, from writing and self-publishing a book for pregnant therapists, which came out a month before the pandemic hit, to navigating the opposing desires of business as usual and burn it all down. We talk about being butterfly goo, dealing with our own shit at the same time as our clients, financial anxiety, and just trying to be okay with not having it all. This was a really good conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you all. Let's dig in. Take two, but I hate it when they announce it just sounds so weird. (laughs) Recording in progress. Recording in focus. Okay. So this is the part that I always get awkward about because it's like talking to the audience, but they're not physically there. So I have to get into it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Welcome everybody to Mental Status. I am Meg, your host, and I'm here with a very special guest today, and I'd like to give them the chance to introduce themselves. So special guest, would you like to uh, say who you are, where you are, and how are you doing today? Hi, Meg. Um, I am Kara Bowling, and I am a social worker. I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, just outside the city. And how I'm doing today, I'm um, both, I, I was just saying in the intro, like, you know, our little chit chat, I'm like a nervous excited, you know, mm-hmm. I think this is a really important conversation. And also, we're not supposed to talk about this. We're supposed to just like, if you notice your burnout, do some self-care and get back to work. So yep. Yep. I'm also nervous to talk about this too. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that before we hit record. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling, feeling like you want to share and then feeling that pull back. Like, yeah, this is good. No, I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to put this out there, but, but no. So like I said, I mean, I'm really glad to have you here um, to have this conversation wherever it leads us. Um, Cause yeah, obviously I think it's an important topic and I'm, I'm glad that other people are, are finding it important as well. Um, so I'm wondering kind of an open-ended question here, but would you be willing to just get us started with, you know, what's, what's your burnout story? Where have you been? Sure. <clears throat> yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, you know, there's the pandemic and how, what all the work that we as mental health providers have done 
during the pandemic professionally and personally the impact of it. But for me, my burnout story started right before the pandemic um, and maybe even like five years before the pandemic mm -hmm. um, because I had my first kiddo five years ago and um, and then uh, and I started my my private practice uh, like full-time that was my whole gig uh, mm -hmm. right about the same time I had him um, and then three years ago, well, I guess four years ago, I was pregnant for the second time. Does that math work out? Somehow it does. Yeah, that's <laughs> mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I realized that I'd forgotten everything I needed um, to know about like how to, have a, how to have a therapy business and be pregnant. So I started looking for books and I found none because that's my thing. I love books. And so I decided to write a book mm -hmm. and then I did that. And I thought, this is my like little art baby. I'm going to self-publish this and I'm going to work with an artist friend and they're going to make the cover art and um, we're going to do it together. And and then got it all nicely wrapped up into a little self-published bow, opened an Instagram account, started talking about the book. And then like a month later, the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. um, also, because this is something I've been learning about myself, not only was I self-publishing a book at that time, like the beginning stages of that, but I also had decided to sign up for the certification level of uh, this model I've been studying for several years um, called sensory motor psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. So it was like, book was releasing, certification level work training was beginning and then the pandemic happened and I'm back. Mm -hmm. So, and I was like, Pandemic. <laughs> what now the hell? We can't breathe air. Let other humans <laughs> breathe. Like so, you know. And not only that, but um, we didn't feel like childcare was really safe um, at first, and so we decided to ask our care provider to take a break for a while and you remember at first everybody was like oh yeah just stay home for a couple weeks and then we'll see how it goes yep. and it was like a couple weeks turned into months you know mm -hmm. and now like over a year almost two years two years no how long yeah it'll be two it'll be two years in march two which is yeah like a year and a half yeah yeah so then i was in a certification program i was trying to tell people about this book that I had written. That was my third little art baby. I didn't have any childcare. My husband and I were switching back and forth. Like I would see clients upstairs at home while he was with the kids. And then when I wasn't seeing clients, I was right back with however old they were at the time, like tiny kids. Mm -hmm. And um, and he went to work, you know, downstairs to do this work. So that, it was a lot. Um, needless to say, and then three months in to the 
quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, I started, uh, my body started kind of shutting down. My whole digestive system started shutting down. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, and I skipped the part where I realize I've been saying it as I've felt it. Um, and maybe that's not entirely like sensitive to everyone, maybe, I don't know, but, um, you know, the racial reckoning, you know, mm -hmm. the reckoning around um, racism started happening in this country um, after George Floyd's death. Yep. Um, and I was then a person who deeply cares about that stuff, but I had been consumed in my own postpartum trying to figure out who the fuck I was as a mother and a therapist and a wife and whatever mm -hmm. for several years. And, um, and I was uh, on Instagram in like a public way, in a professional way for mm -hmm. the first time ever. And I didn't want to be performative. Like all the things that I was reading you know, and learning, I didn't, all the bad stuff, like I didn't want to show up in any of the bad ways. I didn't mm -hmm. want to show up with my internalized racism. I didn't want to do any harm at all. I didn't want to ignore it. And I didn't want, you know, so yeah. every single Instagram post that I told myself I had to do to sell the book and I had to do it right then. Mm -hmm. And I could feel it right now in my gut, like every single one made me physically, palpably anxious, heart mm -hmm. racing, like anxiety that I had never really experienced um, before that level. So all that, you know, was happening. And, and, and then that's when, like, I noticed my digestive system was just like, you know what, mm, you can't eat anything. Nope. Don't eat anything or something mm -hmm. um so um you know it would be really um nice to say that's when I realized I was burnt out and that's when I started getting help you know mm -hmm. but right. that's not how it went and then I was like okay well you need to go to the doctor and figure out the digestive system, but keep doing the Instagram thing the best way you can, you know, keep doing all the things you're doing and add in this piece about like figuring out what's going on with your head. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until like a year later, I guess, that, a year, that I was like, ah, a break. Mm-hmm. But we talked about this too before just a little bit, you know, like getting oriented to each other. You know, all that stuff was happening and I still felt like, and perhaps even because of the pandemic, I still felt like I, I have to keep working because I have to financially contribute to my family. I have to maintain this quality of life that we have nothing can stop. So it was like, absolutely nothing was allowed to stop. Not the book selling, not the therapy. I, I, I took on more clients, you know, as we all experienced kind of like an influx of people saying, you know what, I'm stuck at home. 
I'm ready to do that work I've been putting off. I don't have to tra- travel anymore. Mm-hmm. Way easier to get to. So I finally was like at that level of full. There was just all kinds of stuff yeah. um, that was going on for me. And I wasn't letting myself have any, you know, uh, space from it. Right. Yeah. That's my story, Meg. Yeah. A full, I'm just thinking of a full year goes by and, and that's not to, there's no shame in that. It's like, we, we being kind of mental health professionals or helping professionals and just people who want to help in general. What I notice about a lot of us is that like, I, I can't stop. These folks need me. My family needs me. Like you said, we need to maintain the same, the same level. We can't, we can't not be at that same level as what we were comfortable with before. So even though I'm physically and mentally starting to deteriorate, it's more important that, you know, the, the financial expectations are met in the middle of a global pandemic where we're telling everybody else it's okay to take a break. It's okay to not be productive. It's okay to be feeling this brain fog. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We'll be the ones to take that on for you. And we're just fine. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll just like take it in process it in our own systems, try to digest it, which is impossible. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah, that, that was something that occurred to me pretty early on and that I didn't I didn't talk a whole lot about. And so when the pandemic started, I was also promoting kind of a business outside of therapy. So I was trying to promote a yoga therapy or not yoga therapy, but just yoga business. I was teaching online and I had a similar experience of throughout the pandemic and the racial reckoning, that intense anxiety around I, I also don't want to show up in a way that is performative and I don't want to show up in a way that harms other people. Mm-hmm. And I am trying to, you know, continue pushing forward in the per- pursuits that I have. Um, and early on, as I was processing through this stuff for my own, it's like thinking, you know, this, this pandemic, it's something that we're experiencing together with our clients. Like nobody's really escaping this. So whether you are a yoga teacher or a therapist or whatever, whatever role you have in healing, you're experiencing that at the same time. Um, and I remember the place that I was working, I was living in Minneapolis at the time, the place where I was working, um, when the pandemic first really started to get kind of uh, like, we're not sure what's going on my supervisor was like, just business is normal. Business is normal. Just keep going. It's totally fine. You can keep going to people's houses. Yep. It's cool. And then when the shutdowns happen, they were still like, yep, business is normal. Nothing has changed. We're just online. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, are you serious? Nothing. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think it's been, as you were talking about, like business is normal mindset. Just, it was incongruent does not work with what we were going through. Mm-hmm. And it created a lot of ha- havoc for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm, I, I'm getting activated, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm sad. And I have been having that experience with my clients this whole year. Yeah. So many people are being told by their employers who they depend on for income in this economy where that's, that feels like for some people they have everything and for other people and for maybe most people, right? We don't, we don't feel like we have, we're like hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. Um, just holding that tension from with my clients, wanting to tell them, go tell your boss to absolutely fuck herself. Right. And they can't, you know? No. Nope. Of course, then they can't. Right. Because... But, you know, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there's so many things I want to burn down. I know. I don't have any power to burn down. Yeah, that I was talking with um, my other guest, Victoria, yesterday about that, where mm-hmm. looking at the systems around us that uphold all of this shit that keep us stuck, you know, either day to day or week by week or even just month by month, mm-hmm. grinding away very few of us are actually able to lift out of that long enough to feel any sense of safety. And the pandemic has amplified that tenfold. Um, Looking at the systems can feel so overwhelming and hard. Same, you know, for me, I have the same experience thinking about climate change. I see articles about climate change. I'm like, this is bigger than my brain and my heart can hold. Yes. Yes. And so I don't remember. I saw it on Instagram and I loved it the other day. Somebody said, when things feel really big, you go small. Mm-hmm. So when the system feels too big, what, I, what I've tried to focus on is what is, what's the small thing that I can do either for myself within that system, or how can I encourage the people I'm working with within that system mm-hmm. to do, to do those tiny things, to make those tiny changes over time. Cause looking at the system in its, in its size and, you know, whatever it, you get kind of like this mountain syndrome. You can't climb the whole mountain at once. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about too, that you had mentioned, um, particularly with burnout. And I think it happens a lot for people in this field, probably other fields too, but I don't have experience there. Um, (laughs) But this idea that when you're burned out, you need to find what you can do as quickly as possible to get over it as soon as possible so that you can continue being productive, continue doing your work, just the same as always. You know, if if you're irritable or frustrated or exhausted, I don't know, make a self-care plan for the weekend. You'll be good. And every time I would hear that, I would want to just scream. Yeah. Like, don't tell me to make a self-care plan. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. More baths is not going to fix this actually. No. And even baths is is really nice, but still. I love baths. I mean, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this like 
And and that's again speaking to the larger system and and the cultural aspect of it. Like you're here to produce and be productive. And just if something gets in the way of that personally, whether it's being a parent or caregiving for your own parents or you know, being ill or just mentally breaking down because your job is so fucking stressful that you cannot handle it. Yeah. I don't know. It's on you. Get over it, figure it out and then come back and make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, I just said like how much it bothered me um, when I felt like the stuckness of my clients in that, in that mm-hmm. space. Um, but I was doing that to myself. Mm-hmm. Like I was doing that very thing to myself. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, a difficult lesson or I don't know about lesson, but just something that's been interesting and difficult to think about, you know, and deeply painful too, that we actually are the system. Yeah. You know, like the system impacts us and you know, all the synonyms for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And also we, we are the system, you know, like we're, we're also doing that to ourselves. Like we're agreeing to it. Mm-hmm. And how, how do we, how do we get out of that? You know? Yeah. So many big questions have come up for me. Yeah. How do we get out of it? And while we're figuring that out, how do we how do we reconcile, you know, the purpose and the passion that we brought and why we found ourselves in these jobs on the one hand versus everything that we know now about being part of it? How do we like, and that's, I agree. There's been a lot of processing around that particular aspect of things. Um, And in some of the jobs that I had early on, there was a really, it, it was difficult for me because I was working in programs where the services were mandated for families who were already stretched to their limit. And I was coming in saying, Hey, you're going to spend at least three hours a week with me. Otherwise X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And I, there were some wonderful families. I mean, all of the families were wonderful in their own way. Right. Some of them were welcoming of the service. And some of them were like, I literally don't have time. This is making it worse. And yet, like I had to walk into those sessions knowing that and knowing within myself, like this, this isn't where it's at for them. And having those systemic pressures on me to say, well, if I want to keep my job and I don't want my supervisor on my ass, (laughs) I'm going in and I'm doing literally everything I can to try to get them to buy into this thing that they have, they have no desire to be part of it. They know it's not working for them. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're like telling me, yeah. mm-hmm. man, it's so fucked up. I know <laughs> it's fucked up. And <laughs> I think even in recognizing that what gives me at least some breath of hope is talking with people like you and the other people who I've been chatting with, who I, I think there's some, there's been deep recognition of it for a very long time. And as we talked about, there's this hesitation, like, what does it mean to be in the, the caregiving role or the helper role and to admit out loud publicly that we don't like the system and that 
a lot of it is fucked up and that it's fucking us up, but we still want to, some part of us still wants to be here. You know, like don't take our licenses away. Please don't hire us. Right. Yeah. So that, that gives me hope that other people are recognizing it and wanting to talk about it. Hopefully with, with the goal of finding something new, like you said, burning it down. Yeah, you know, I wish, I, I, I think, you know, I, I'll say you're probably going to get pessimistic Kara today. That's been a part of my burnout journey is like, and I think it's part of the, um, you don't actually have to get back to business as usual, you know, that I'm just letting myself be like, I don't know what. <laughs> Um, and then of course I lost my train of thought completely. That's okay. I don't that remember happens. what I was going to say. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that's kind of part of the process too is, yeah. um, yeah, just like not even knowing what to say sometimes or like mm-hmm. feeling like you have so much that you want to talk about in process, but mm-hmm. it becomes this, like, for me, it becomes a brick in my mind. I'm like, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's there it's stuck and it's heavy, but I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, I think I was going to say something like I, I was pushing it for sure, you know, like trying to push into like some kind of thing to say that would be a solution. Yeah. And I don't have answers. Yeah. And actually I'm just one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was another, I'm sort of, I'm sorry if I'm like, too tangential right now just let me know but that was another like big epiphany Mm -hmm. for me is how much I try to to do all of the stuff in isolation yeah as and and very individualistic you know and it's like uh well I can't stop seeing my clients because my clients need to see me and I need to keep working so that I can help these people. But you, you know that, are you a social worker? I think you are. Um, uh, mental health, health counselor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think we all get this, right? Mm-hmm. Like therapy, you know, like seeing a therapist does not solve all your problems. seeing a therapist (laughs) helps you get the other resources that you need and yeah huge resource people need is being in meaningful community with other people Mm -hmm. and honestly I don't do that well you know yeah yeah um yeah I'm with you on that I want to do that better um but I'm not there yet so Mm -hmm. um Yeah, it's, I mean, again, this is reminding me of a conversation I had yesterday, but that's a big, that's another big thing that I feel isn't talked about a lot in this field. Um, We do so much to, like you said, help our clients find those resources for meaningful community. And one of the prevailing parts that I always hear about in, especially in private practice, but 
you know, for folks who are doing in-home work, they're on the road a lot or in other types of settings where you don't automatically have that person in the, the office next door is this loneliness. And yeah. I mean, in, in the first episode, I think I said the word lonely like 500 times and I didn't realize <laughs> it until I went back and listened. I was like, wow, hey, Megan, I think you're kind of lonely. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Maybe check on that. You might be lonely. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, there's some specific reasons for that, right? Like I moved to Indiana, rural Indiana, um, from from Minneapolis last summer. Um, and I have, I have my, um, the family I'm building here, but I don't have any community. I don't have a professional community, no friends. Like I work at a group practice where everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. And I've still felt weird like there's something wrong with me to admit that I'm lonely and feel isolated. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why, why is yeah. there such a stigma against saying you're lonely and saying that you're burned out? Like, like you said, that individualistic take yeah. on things. So. Yeah. Do you think that's because just people aren't allowed to say that? Or do you think it's because like, as a, as a helper, you know, as a, mental health professional, we're not allowed to admit those things. I mean, I think what I've, what I've seen is that in general, at a societal level to admit that you're lonely is to, even though I don't really believe this, but it's to admit that there's something wrong with you and that you can't connect with people. Um, I was talking with Nate, my fiance about this yesterday. I was like, yeah, admitting loneliness even if it doesn't mean that you're bad at connecting with people, that's the implied meaning of that is that you can't connect for some reason. Um, But especially among helpers and, you know, tell me if you've had a different experience with this, but of course there is that traditional image that people have of therapists where we have our shit together. We are well-resourced we're always calm. I can't tell you the number of times I've had clients be like, you're so calm. And I had a client once say to me, like, I bet you never piss anybody off. And I was like, are you, (laughs) what? (laughs) But there's this image of us that we are mystical creatures who don't have problems. And if we do, we automatically know how to fix it. We just take the therapy magic and apply it over here in our lives. And it's great. And loneliness being one of those things that I don't know, like it to be in that public image as the person who has it all together and to be lonely, like we know that happens, but I think in a lot of society, that's not, that's not known. Yeah. Right. Right. Like people see, oh, the folks who are doing all the things on TikTok and Instagram and especially the beautiful things, you know, and they're like, I want that life. And what they, we don't see, what we don't think about is how curated, you know, those images are. It's kind of like that, you know, you're looking at people and thinking everybody else has it together, but I, I don't. And so I can't speak that. I just have to figure out how to get it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I've, I've stopped using social media on a personal level. Um, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't. And I was, 
I was hesitant to start social even with this podcast. But I was like, well, I know that it can be part of the the business part of things. But even for me, it's hard to not blur those lines. But I mean, I agree. And like, I say this with the disclaimer of, I'm honestly very proud of the therapist community and the mental health helper community. Like there are a ton of really awesome people sharing important information. And now being a therapist, I can see like, yes, your feed looks very curated, but I know there's a human there. (laughs) I know that there's some shit that happens. It's okay. If you don't want to share that, that's your, that's your thing. It's your thing. Yeah, Um, it's true. But yeah, it, it is still hard to not compare. And like, even for me, like, because my hair is not long and I can't do like the flowy thing sometimes, I'm just like, why, why, why? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to carry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you mentioned during our first phone call, which I said I wanted to come back to mm-hmm. Uh, the two quotes that you said in relation to your burnout are that you are, you are butterfly goo right Mm -hmm. now and that you, you don't necessarily want to go back to the way things were anymore. You want to burn down whatever you can and start new. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm curious about that first, that first statement that you're butterfly goo. What does that mean to you right now? Um, it was one of the most magical things I've ever learned about nature. And there are some really magical things to learn about nature, right? Mm -hmm. But that, um, when a caterpillar builds a chrysalis or like around themselves, they don't just sprout wings, you know, they completely disintegrate. Yeah. And I think somewhere, I'm not a scientist, but somewhere I think I also read, oh, I'm not going to be able to say what it is, but there's some kind of like enzyme or hormone or Mm -hmm. cell that is actually called like imaginin or something that the butter caterpillar, the goo has within it to like imagine the butterfly that's going, oops, I just lost my bud, <laughs> to imagine the butterfly that's going to be um, yeah. and to create that, that butterfly from straight goo. Mm-hmm. And it's really painful to admit sometimes out loud, but mm-hmm. that's what I am right now. You know, I don't, it's not affecting my work, thankfully, because this shit happens to me that I'll say like, I'm kind of tired. And then all of a sudden, like the universe says, Kara's kind of tired. And then all of my clients go, you know what? I'm feeling much better now. And I think I'd like to see you every month instead of every two weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. So thankfully my caseload is a little smaller. Um, I'm not doing a service to my clients, I think it's really important to notice when you are mm-hmm. and to take, you know, you know, action. But I do feel like that in terms of um, knowing like who I am and what I want. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what, actually, which this kind of reminds me of the second thing, I don't historically haven't asked myself what I want. Mm-hmm. I historically have asked myself, what can I do? Yeah. What can I do? Or like, what is needed? And I've known for a while that I have that, that problem. If someone says like, oh, this thing is really, if I'm listening to NPR, for example, mm-hmm. and they're like, this weird thing that's even like involves like science and math, which I am not good at, <laughs> is a real need in society. I'm like, hmm, maybe I could do that, you know? It's like, right. no, you cannot. You can't. You actually can't. Um, you know, but that's yeah. been my orientation to my life and to work that is largely based, uh, you know, based on my temperament, probably, mm-hmm. but also largely based on all my family of origin mm-hmm. shit. You know, yeah. dysfunctional growing up in a dysfunctional family shit that I have known, you know, you have to be aware because, mm-hmm. you know, when your countertransference comes up, what is happening in the room? Is it mine or is it my clients? So you have to be aware when you're coming from a dysfunctional or you can, came to social work or mental health originally because you wanted to help your family. Mm-hmm. You need to be aware of that, but it's very different to say, okay, I know that. And then like years later to notice, I actually don't know how to say like, what do I want? Even when I tell my clients, like it's so important for you to have what you want and to know what you want, to say what you want mm-hmm. and to realize that you, you really struggle with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you've found safety in providing for others, mm-hmm. um, it can be a huge challenge to step out of that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see this in myself and I see it in the people that I work with and my colleagues, like, yes, you can still be of service to others. And that doesn't mean that that's the only way that you are useful to this world is in doing things for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, community care is really important. And I do believe that we belong to each other. Mm -hmm. Helping each other is really important. And we literally can't help people if we are depleted. Mm -hmm. And, And what we think is helping while depleted may not be what we think it is. You know, we're not showing up in, in the way that we need to for them because we have for so long not shown up for ourselves. Um, And yeah, that's when you realize that's what you've been doing either because of childhood experiences or, you know, the, the cultural story that is told to you um, societal stories about what it means to be a woman or a wife or a therapist or the one helping um, stepping beyond that and saying like, you know, I want to take a day today. I am tired. I know I have sessions and those people will be better served next week when I am refreshed. Yeah. It's super hard to admit that. And and for me still with where I am, 
going back to that financial anxiety is like, I can take care of myself for today, but does that mean that I'm financially not taking care of myself in the future? But that's a, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. That's what gets really tricky. Mm -hmm. It's really tricky when you work for yourself and you know, like, man, this stuff is so big. It also gets really tricky when you are told that your profession is a calling yeah, and therefore you don't need to make money. I hate that. Um, <laughs> I hate that you know, so much. <laughs> right. Cause then you're already making bare minimum. Yeah. What you need to make in order to pay your student loans, yeah. you know, like from all the post-secondary education that you went through. That and is required to do this calling. Yeah. Right. Your CEUs that yep. people don't realize how much it costs to maintain a license. Um, so yeah, taking mm-hmm. a day isn't just like self-care taking a day. This might be when I started noticing that I was burnt out. Yeah. When my family scheduled a vacation, we were going to go away for a week. We yeah. went away for a week for the first time since we were a family. Mm-hmm. And I got back to the office and I realized what that meant about how much I was going to make this month. Yeah. You know, and like all the wonderful people, you know, helping people build their practices and saying, take time off. And, you know, my rate felt good to me. Mm -hmm. My caseload felt a little too much Mm -hmm. even. And still seeing what it meant to take a full solid week off, you know, financially was incredibly scary. Yeah. Um, so man, there's just so many, so many ways to take care of yourself or to realize that you're not really sure how, or it's right. not quite working. Yeah. I mean, what it brings to mind for me is that in taking care of yourself in some ways, it may at times mean a sacrifice in other ways that you take care of yourself, which again, speaks to that system. And, yeah. you know, it, being your own employer, any, any person who is their own boss or runs their own business would, would say that, you know, that's part of the cost of doing business. Um, and I've talked with some, some of my supervisors who've been in private practice about this and, you know, they've, they've been so calm and nonchalant about it. Like over this summer, I didn't know about the summer slump. So June rolls around and I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, what happened? I was <laughs> I was at the point in May where I was like, I could probably have a wait list now. And then it fell apart. Yeah. And at the end of June, I go to the, the supervisor that I have and I'm like, listen, this is stressing me out right now. And he's yeah. like, well, that's just part of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. why didn't you tell me? Why didn't why? <laughs> nobody told nobody me this? Told me this. <laughs> yeah. Just like a thing you learn or you have to, I don't know. So there are aspects of it that if you want to undertake that type of work, working for yourself, um, it it comes with the territory, but it it just, I don't know, sacrificing some parts of your well-being to take care of yourself in other ways. It just feels sometimes a lot of the time. Uh, And I love the people who, who have 
figured it out and I'm yeah. so happy that they or that at least seem like they figured it out and say they figured it out I love it I'm so yes. glad they have but it's really not easy to figure out it does mm. and there are going to be sacrifices I think um I posted something on Instagram um, maybe like a month or two ago and probably was clear <laughs> to some reading it that this was a burnout post <laughs> mm. but it just said sorry comma but you can't have it all mm. you can't actually have it all mm -hmm. you know and you know my my book is about um help like pregnant therapists helping pregnant therapists figure out what to do in their private practice so mm -hmm. i i bring that sort of like uh balancing professional personal and mom energy to my work at least you know on my instagram account and especially if you are raising tiny humans yeah sorry but you can't you yeah. know you can't have all them it takes time to have all the money that you want it takes mm -hmm. time and energy a sustained effort and also takes time, energy, and sustained effort to be exactly the mom you want, um, <laughs> you know, and, mm -hmm. it, you know, you just, I think we have to get used to that, that idea that there's going to be some sacrifice. Yeah. And in the balancing. Of it. Yeah. Sacrifice and balance. And I mean, I'm, I'm, for myself, I'm hoping to get to the point where I can not just accept that, but also see it as not a bad thing to not have it all. Uh, yes. <laughs> like going that back made to me wiggle. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, like going back to what we were talking about with social media, looking at people who seem to have it all, it's super easy to think that, oh, well, when I get to that point that they're at, I will finally be happy. But that's not necessarily the case. If you still have all of this shit that you're dealing with anyways, but now you're just making more money, like it, it that's one problem solved. And it's, it's okay to be in a place where you are, what's, what's the um, psychological concept, the good enough. It doesn't even just have to apply to parenting, but good enough therapist. Like if I'm good enough, I don't have to be the perfect best therapist. I don't have to have the greatest practice that everybody wants to be part of. I don't have um, to have all the certifications. Oh my gosh. Oh, all that's been such a thing. Oh my gosh. This, this past year. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm still an associate, but I'm like, okay, I need to get certified in EMDR, EFT, ACT, CBT, DBT. And I'm going to do yeah. it all the next two years. And yeah. you can't. <laughs> No. You know, can I, can I say something that's just between you and me? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just kidding. But uh -huh. air quoting right now for those of you who can't see us, <laughs> I might not get certified in sensory motor psychotherapy. Oh my gosh. <gasps> I'm giving myself permission, at least for right now in my life. And that there's grief with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And also, it is not the most important thing to be certified in even fucking one thing. Right. So all you therapists out there listening, from me to you, for whatever it's worth to you, 
what if you don't get certified in shit? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what if you're just a good enough therapist that takes trainings and is a lifelong learner mm-hmm. and doesn't get fucking certified? Yeah. You know? But what does that mean for my website? Yeah. And or my, my psychology my today profile. <laughs> you know what? And here's something else, Meg, that I was just going to say, like, it might be just me on my soapbox, but it's really not. I think it's really important to bring this to the conversation, to every single conversation I have these days Mm -hmm. in my imperfect way that I'm probably going to bring it right now. And that is, (sighs) all of that stuff, all of that striving, all of that productivity, all of that quest for perfectionism is actually a part of white supremacist culture. Mm -hmm. We've got to be the best. We've got to be better than who? We've got to be on top. We've got to make the most money. You know, our family has to have the white picket fence or whatever it is, all the Mm -hmm. things. That is deeply entrenched into white supremacist culture in, you know, American culture as a culture of individualism and white supremacy. And white supremacy, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that's been another like what? Yeah. Um bit of learning for me. I think I had, I think I was getting there, although not having exactly the words to describe it, because mm-hmm. a lot of the s- stuff I, I still talk about. Mm, I wrote about the stuff in, in the book. Mm-hmm. You know? My book is really not like, so maybe I've been processing this for a very long time, but my book is really not like, um, be really productive, be the best at what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I already, at the time that I wrote it, was thinking along the lines of, be good enough and that's fine. If you can't make, if you need to save money for your parental leave and, you know, you're not bringing in the big bucks, maybe try to reduce expenses. You know, you don't have to only focus on bringing in the big bucks. You can also look on, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, But to put that sort of name to it, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for us all to see that, you know, there's like bigger forces at work here or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And recognizing the ways in which white supremacist culture harms everybody, everybody who is willingly or unwillingly entrenched in it, who is brought up in that society, who is either aware or unaware it's, it's damaging the ideals that it pushes on every participant whether they know they're participating or not. And at this point, if you don't know that you're participating in a white supremacist culture by being in America, that's a whole other conversation. You should get on board. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just really being able to step back and recognize the ways that we have participated in that and the ways that we no longer want to perpetuate those, those ideals quote unquote ideals of American yeah, society. Values, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, racism needs to end. 
in order to exclusively benefit black and brown people. You know, that's the mm -hmm. only reason really mm -hmm. that racism needs to end. And also if we don't understand how uh, our self-oppression, you know, oppresses uh, others too. Mm -hmm. I think some people need to understand that in order to really get what the, what work needs to be done to yeah. end racism and yeah. how long-term it is, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I, like I said at the beginning, talking about this stuff, you know, we're both white women. It can be, it can feel vulnerable in a way that we're not familiar with or comfortable with, but I do absolutely value, you know, you being willing to share those reflections publicly um, because it needs to be part of the conversation um, and part of this reckoning for ourselves as a profession, all of these things that we've been talking about, um, you know, kind of going back to, I think you said a little bit earlier, like you're getting the maybe more pessimistic Kara. Yeah. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's a hundred percent fine. Like mm -hmm. this may not be the show where there's <laughs> flowers and rainbows at the end of it. We wrap it all up in the bow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's okay to celebrate the joys that we experience as well. And it's okay to admit, I mean, obviously I think this, I know for a lot of people, it still doesn't feel okay, but it's okay to admit I feel pessimistic. I feel like butterfly goo. I feel like I'm not complete in this process. It hurts. You know, I'm all, I'm full of imagining is what it's called. Yeah, I think. I am imagining yeah. something new. And a lot of the time that can be a beautiful process, but not without pain. Yeah, not without loss. Yeah. And not without the grief that comes yeah. from loss, you know, yeah, and sacrifice. And I don't think I've put the episode out yet, but there is, it'll come out eventually. There's an episode where I talk about the big emotions of burnout and how sadness is part of that. Um, yeah. But I think deeper than that is a grief around maybe what you thought things would have been or should have been or how your reality is different yes. <laughs> as a helper. Um, yes. It's not what, it's not what you thought it would be. And yeah. that is hard to look at and accept and grieve. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did another wiggle when Meg just said that um, <laughs> because yeah. Um, so I, a few weekends ago, my mm -hmm. husband and I got our first in a very long time. The kids go to grandma's and grandpa's house weekend. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we didn't do any house project completions. Yes. We sat around watching YouTube, not every day, but especially one like afternoon, we were just down the rabbit hole like what is what's going on on YouTube let's see yeah. and an Alan Watts video popped up and those are always like oof I was like <laughs> we need to stop here and uh in that video he was it was you know one of his talks where he was saying talking about how you know you work all your life to get to this place and then when you get there 
you realize whatever he said that was like deeply poignant, but what I took from it was it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know? mm-hmm. The effort that it takes to maintain that level is not what you expected. You don't just arrive and it's like, ah, now it's easeful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure what he said was even more poignant than that, you know? And I think I got there. Yeah. You know, and yes, there was a pandemic, so it wasn't, you know, quote, purely, I didn't like, I wasn't totally resourced. And then I got there. But when are you ever, you know, completely? Right. When is everything? When are all the pieces ever like completely mm-hmm. in place? So that's been a hard thing um, to notice. I've been striving for this thing that I wasn't, I wasn't totally choosing. There was a lot of like, because you have to, that was mixed into it. Right. Then I got there and it's like, damn, uh, <laughs> there's still a bunch of problems, you know? Yeah. It's, it didn't fix everything. Yeah. And of course, like my first therapist is listening to this and rolling her eyes. Like I told you, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's the journey. It's the journey. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) We know it takes some time to get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, in listening to you, I'm, I'm reminded not only of my professional journey, but, you know, I talked a little bit in earlier episodes about um, getting sober and it Mm. was the same type of experience where you know, there was this striving toward, okay, once I finally quit drinking, life will just be so much better. Things will be great. (laughs) And by and large, life did get way better when I decided to stop drinking. But there were those moments of, okay, same shit that I'm dealing with. I just don't have a way to quote unquote, yeah, Mm -hmm. wind down with some wine or or 10, but whatever, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I don't have that familiar thing to reach for. And it, things are not just automatically better because I decided to stop drinking. Um, and that has been, that's been pretty true for me throughout burnout. Like even after I left my last job where I was burning out incredibly quickly, um, it felt like there was a moment of lift there. I was like, oh, yes Mm -hmm. and then it came back down like okay and we're back at it like just Mm -hmm. different setting different different tasks but very much the same place you know what it's that's reminding me of um this moment in my one of my favorite movies which is i heart huckabees have you ever seen that movie i have seen that yes oh my gosh the ball thing and for those of you who haven't seen it the ball thing is where they take this like ball with a handle and they're sitting in a field like on a picnic table and one of them takes the ball and just slams the ball into the nose of the other person (laughs) and right after the (laughs) slam they're like I felt it did you (laughs) I felt it that moment when like nothing matters and everything is easeful and then it you come back to life again you know Mm -hmm. eventually like you start mm-hmm. paying attention to other things and you lose that moment of just like, <gasps> um, so that's what it reminds me of, reminds me of the ball thing, right? Yeah. We're um, inevitably sucked back into, you know, the daily 
drama that is humanity. Yeah. <laughs> and not going to lie, part, part of that did feel like getting smacked in the face with something, but <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right after you're like, Whew. Oh, but, damn <laughs> to get there. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It, I feel like these, these types of conversations could be endless. You know, I mean, there's just so many different avenues um, to explore when it comes to just to burn out, but not that specifically, like all of the threads that come down from that, from the financial to the personal, to the um, more soulful or spiritual, you know, if you connect with that, like what it means to be operating in, in this space, in this system, yeah. in a profession that we're told is a calling or that we've identified as a calling, yeah. all of it together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes deep breath <laughs> yeah I um am uh thinking about sharing what the butterfly goo sounds like yeah right now would that be okay oh absolutely this is my daily life when I'm not you know sitting with clients and centering and grounding and being present for what they're going through um, all the imagining, or I'm going to look that up and figure out what exactly it's called so mm-hmm. that we don't we have some, some fact checking. Um, but <laughs> what it sounds like in my mind is like, maybe I want to be a family CEO, you know, mm-hmm. not a housewife, but like, maybe I just don't want to work at all. And I just want to be the family CEO. And I just want to clean things and bake things. And and it's like, maybe I want to um, finally uh, start groups in my private practice. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe that would help. Maybe I want to have a group for moms where we do like arts and crafts all the time. Um, Maybe I want to start a group where we um, do like Resma Menachem's My Grandmother's Hands book. Like Mm -hmm. we all like, get somatic about, you know, our white supremacy and the impact of that on the world. Mm-hmm. Or um, maybe I want to start a baking business. Or maybe I want to focus my energy on um, figuring out how to not have use any like single use plastics in our house. Mm-hmm. Maybe I want, you know, like learn how to can things. Or maybe I want to grow a garden in the backyard. It's yeah. like never ending what the heck might my life look like yeah it's kind of exhausting but it's also kind of fun you know yeah I mean you're thinking about things that you want to do not just well can I take more clients on in this area or can I expand the business or can I what can I do it's huh I wonder if I'd want to do this I wonder if if that would be something that would align with where I am in my life right now. And maybe being the CEO of the household is where it's at. It's important work. It's, it's, I mean, I personally am not a, a biological mother. I do have a stepson, but I mean, I, I stepped into his life when he was like 14 or 15. So 
I don't have that experience of being mother, but so often I hear about how much of that it, it is a, it's a job. It's unpaid work. It's work that you're paying to do yep. both financially and emotionally and energetically you're paying to do it. And it's important work. So whether it's that or gardening or group work, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that you're looking at what will work for you, not what mm-hmm. you can work for. Mm-hmm. Or advocacy work, Meg. I could go on and on. I'll stop though. Advocacy work? <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing that I did is I joined NASW and joined, we, in Baltimore we have, in, the, in Maryland, we have the, a committee called Social Workers Unraveling Racism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that takes time and that's worthy work and that's volunteer, but Mm -hmm. it's still important. You know, maybe I'll do even more of that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I I can keep going, but I won't. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, what I would like to ask before we wrap things up today is, are there any last kind of thoughts that you'd like to share about burnout or something that you think would be good for listeners to know about burnout as a social worker? It's coming up for me right now as you ask that. Um, is something similar to what I find myself saying to clients who have like anxiety or even like rage, you know, it's like before you figure out how to calm it down, I think it's important to maybe even um, just to get more acquainted with that feeling because I think it has something important to tell you. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is showing up for you there's a good reason somewhere in there. Yeah. And it might mean you're supposed to change your whole entire life around, or it might mean you're supposed to move a little bit more and breathe a little bit, more, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're not doing it mm-hmm. and your body needs that. You know? um, that's how burnout is feeling for me right now mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to really listen to it because it's probably telling me something about my life in the modern world and how maybe it needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank God I have a supportive, you know, partner in that way. Um, that's a privilege. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess that's what I would say. Yeah listen to the emotions rather than push them aside or try to regulate them instantly yeah yeah i like that all right well thank you so Mm -hmm. much for joining for today's episode i loved this conversation i think it was yeah um are there any any resources that you want to promote out I, i know that you you wrote a book so what's what's the name of your book Oh, 
Um, the book is called The Therapist's Guide to Being Pregnant, just getting right to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Uh, it's called The Therapist's Guide to Being Pregnant. And I, um, you can find it not on Amazon, um, but you can find it on my website, carabowling.com slash book. Awesome. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at carabowling, B-O-L-L-I-N-G, L-C-S-W-C. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, I'll include those things in the show notes to make sure that folks can find that if they want to learn more and buy your book. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully more therapists who are entering that journey of being pregnant while a therapist can find this resource uh, and use that. So wonderful. All right. Thank you, Kara. Thanks so much, Meg. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode because I definitely did. Um, And I hope that in listening to this, you know, it, it starts to inspire some conversation Um, either with yourself or with your own family, partners, friends, all those folks who are in this with you, supporting you through burnout or trying to help you um, prevent ever getting there. I just, I hope that this can be a good conversation starter. Uh, Another thing that I am hoping is if these conversations have inspired you or if you feel like you want to join in on the conversation, I would love to have your voice added to this show. Uh, I am actively looking for people who are interested in showing up as guests on the show to either share their personal burnout story or to share uh, things that they have learned while working in the field, uh, helping others through burnout. And I just, I really want to encourage you, you know, if you've been thinking about it or wondering about it, wondering if you'd even be a good guest on the show, uh, the answer is probably yes. You know, I want to hear from you. I I want to keep having these conversations so that we can keep pushing this forward and pushing for the change that we need. Other than that, if you enjoy the show and you're looking to connect off of the show, you can find me on Instagram at mentalstatuspod. Um, I'm always looking for feedback on the show. So if you have any comments or questions about what you heard today, you can send me an email at mentalstatuspod at gmail.com. If you like today's show, go ahead and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We are now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. So hit that subscribe button, leave a review, share these episodes, connect on social media, send me an email, do it up however you do. I just, I find it so valuable to connect with my listeners and I want to make sure that I'm hearing from you. Until next time though, I hope you stay well and take care of yourselves as best you can. I'll see you next time. Bye.